Hello and welcome to episode 158 of Navigating the Modern World. I'm Kimberly Johnson. I'm your host. I am so honored that you are here. And if you're just for the first time joining this podcast, this is a podcast simply of me processing life. And I do process it through a more spiritual Buddhist often lens. Um, But this is really for anyone. I really try to think of spirituality as just a way in which to approach day-to-day life so that you feel your best and you feel the most present and you feel the most connected to both yourself and others and also our natural world. And today we're going to talk about, I'm going to just forewarn, this is probably going to be a multiple series podcast. I say that and then watch this be the only one, but um, there's a lot that I'm processing and I wanted to begin to bring it to the podcast and we'll see how many podcasts it ends up being. But today we're going to begin talking about death. Um, a few days ago, I was honored and lucky enough to be the one who was with my grandfather when he passed. And the experience was something that I think is really important to begin discussing for multiple reasons. There's a few things that I want to kind of talk about today. One is kind of what happened, um, just sharing the actual experience of what occurred. And then the other parts are what does death mean? And what is death like? And how can we begin approaching it before the moment of its arrival? And if you have followed me before, you know that I'm a little bit obsessed with death. Um, There's so much about it that I find mysterious, courageous. I think it is the most vulnerable moment maybe of our lives when maybe the moments before death are the most vulnerable when we are about to lose everything that we have been identified with in our life. And for my grandfather specifically, it was slightly different. He had had dementia for quite a few years and, um, you know, was not quite the same, I will say, as I remember as a child, yet also exactly the same. Um, always a riot, this man. Uh, any story that he had told, you had probably heard it 50 times. When he wanted to speak, he would raise his hand and uh, say, <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> and um, you pretty much could not leave him without him trying to slip you money. 
And he really, I think he tried to slip money just because he had a deep understanding that none of this material world is his. And so I'll give you a little bit of background story. He was a pastor for a lot of my life. He was kind of a, um, almost like an interim pastor, uh, when sometimes he would be the main pastor of the church. And then other times he would just fill in when they needed someone to fill in. His career was kind of, um, a little bit of, there was a few different things. He worked at the atomic plant, the nuclear atomic plant for a while. And then he also was a school janitor for the majority of the, the, you know, years of my life as I was getting older, he was a school janitor and everybody loved him. My grandpa is hard to not love because his personality was literally telling silly stories, making you laugh or helping you working really hard to help you. And that's pretty much, or talking about spirituality, talking about God and talking about his passion. And that's pretty much all that he was. There wasn't, um, there wasn't a bunch of complications or at least it seemed from the outside in his life. It was very just like you help people, you follow God and you make people laugh. You make people feel comfortable and you make them happy and laugh. And he really, really did this. And he, he was probably, one of the most influential people in my entire life. In fact, I, I think I can't quite pinpoint, um, the moment that spirituality became very important in my life, but, um, I can almost guarantee that it was sparked. Like the fire was lit by his burning candle. And for that, I will be forever grateful, forever grateful. And the idea of being giving is also just seared in my whole being by this man that literally had nothing but would give you everything he had. And he wasn't fearful of having nothing. It was like, okay, yeah, we have nothing. And that's, that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to give it all away and trust, um, that you will be taken care of. And I, you know, want to just say that in some way he was right. Um, in that my mother, you know, one of her goals as they began to get dementia and kind of their health began to go downhill, um, one of her, one of the things that she has said often is, I want to take care of them like they took care of others. And she did. She, bless her heart. She's a little saint. Um, in fact, she has been the quality of their life. They have had a quality of life and my grandmother is still living. Um, but their quality of life has been exponentially better because of my mother. And so that's just a little bit of background story of this like beautiful, you know, human, um, that walked the earth for 88 years. And, you know, I have been, I haven't lived near home for a while. So I, you know, every time I go home, I try to see them. Um, that's about once a year. So there you go. You can get a sense of 
how close I have been over the years. Um, yet, I my connection with them feels very deep for a few reasons. Um, one is my own spiritual path. So they have inspired me to live in a very spiritual way as I walk in this earth. And also we have music in common. And so I love playing music and, um, creating music. And every time I am with them, I, you know, that is something that I will bring my instrument and we will sing and enjoy each other. And even though they have dementia, the one cool thing about dementia is that often music is one thing that sticks. And so they, oh man, they like almost remembered every word to like every song that they have known in their life, which is a very kind of interesting uh, phenomenon of dementia, but also, you know, says a lot about the power of music. And so every time I'm with them, this is kind of like how I spend my time with them. I just talking and wanting to hear about their life. And then also just sharing in music with them and also talking to them about God. And this, this trip was super interesting because I literally was just going home for kind of, um, just a last minute trip of I'm actually moving. And so I took a trip home to kind of do some moving, do some, you know, placing of items and do kind of like a trip before our big move before our big trip. And so I wasn't expecting to be home very long. In fact, I had like on my schedule, I had to be in Arkansas for one day, and then to fly back up to Seattle. Well, the trip ended up different than I thought it was going to end up, which, you know, is divine in its own way. And I ended up getting home and I ended up being home for three days. And the first full day I was home, me and my mom went and we just spent some time with my grandparents and my grandpa had taken a fall, so he was not doing super well. Um, wasn't really eating or drinking anymore. Like it, it was seemed pretty obvious that he was coming towards the end. And I sat next to him and I just began singing and I just, you know, I began singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And, you know, the second that I kind of start singing, he begins squeezing my hand, which is, um, you know, whatever it means. You know, this is what I'm hoping that follow-up podcasts will begin to talk about is like, what does all this mean? Does it mean anything that he squeezed your hand? Does it, you know, did he know you were there? Like whatever, you know, and, and there's some power in just being able to create your own meaning of whatever is occurring in your life and really actively trying to create the meaning that helps you just live the most present, kind, loving life that you can. Anyway, so he starts squeezing my hand and he opened his eyes a few times and, you know, really was making eye contact with me. And I just was, you know, talking to him and, um, and I began just kind of talking to him about letting go. 
and letting him know that he could let go if he needed to and letting him know that he had done good in life and letting him know that he had taught me probably the most important things in life as have my parents but he really walked that talk in a big big way and through watching him live I just learned so much and you know just sharing these things with him and his eyes would kind of open at this point he can't you know he he's pretty much unable to speak and he would open his eyes and kind of look and he would try to say things you know like moving his mouth and like trying to talk but not much nothing coherent and not much coming out um but I did that for, I don't know, we were there for a few hours and then, you know, we left. Well, the next day we had, my mother had a, had an actual, she had a, a meeting with hospice because my grandpa hadn't been eating. So they were kind of beginning to, you know, plan for his end of life. And they kind of thought he might live maybe another week or so up to four weeks. Who knows? He had like four ounces of like a, you know, protein drink the day before. Like, you know, he's eating, but not much. Um, and so my mom is in this meeting and I walk down to my grandparents' room and my grandpa is very warm, very, very warm. And his breath is quick. And I take a wet wipe and I wipe down his face, which I had seen my mother do many, many, many times. And, and he loved it. He loved being pampered. <laughs> he loved being pampered. Um, bless him. He's such a, like, just like every time I talk about him, I, I just get this big grin because he had such just a personality. Um, so I wiped down his face and I'm talking to him and he's very, very asleep, like not moving much. I was like cleaning out some of the gunk in his eyes and he kind of like moved his body a little bit, but not, you know, not much movement. And, um, and then I, pulled out my ukulele and I once again started singing amazing grace you know um and he began to kind of like slightly wake up crack his eyes open but this time less um definitely less than the day before and I noticed as I was singing, my grandma kind of was just getting like a little bit um, antsy. She gets antsy. She doesn't know what to do with herself. I mean, imagine you spent your whole life like working and living in homes. And then now you're in this like nursing home where you're in one room. And, you know, I completely understand um, just the restlessness. And she was like trying to show me everything. She like opened the bathroom door, of, you know, their little private bathroom and she's like this is the kitchen isn't it beautiful and I'm like oh grandma there's a toilet in your kitchen <laughs> you know like interesting and just you know being with her trying to in some way I don't know help her with her restlessness I'm not quite sure I think when you know, it, it can often feel uncomfortable when you're with people with dementia because you almost like you're uncomfortable and you don't know and you can tell they're uncomfortable and you don't know what to do with all of that discomfort. It's kind of a beautiful thing to observe, honestly. Anyway, so she seems a little bit restless and she's pretty healthy and can walk pretty well. So I was like, let's take a walk. So we just held hands and walked down the hallway and like they, they don't have much space. 
you know, where they can go. But we walked down to the little kitchen that they have, and then we turned around and we walked back. And when we got into the room, there was something very strange happening. Um, my, and this is actually quite common when people are dying, but what was happening is my grandpa had set up completely in his bed, which he hadn't done in weeks. You know, he's like very, very weak, mostly sleeping, coming to a little bit, but not moving much. And he was sitting straight up in the bed and his eyes were wide open, like so wide open, like bug eyed wide open. And I sit my grandma down and I say, Hey grandpa. Hey, Hey grandpa. Hi. Hi grandpa. You know? And, um, he was almost like looking through me. There wasn't, um, I could tell that there wasn't quite, like I wasn't quite registering, um, in his awareness, but there was like definitely an alertness and definitely like a, like a, I don't know, leaning forward towards something. And I noticed, so I'm like looking at him and I'm like on his left side and then I go over to his right side and he, I noticed that he is puking something orange down his mouth. And the very first thing I was just like, okay, like I think he's dying. So I go out into the hallway and there's like a nurse down at the hall and I just yell at her, can someone help me? Um, And so she comes down and she starts talking, like really saying my grandpa's name really, really loudly, John, 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 John. Um, and I'm kind of like, grandpa, it's okay. Grandpa, it's okay. Grandpa, you're safe. If you need to let go, you can let go. And by this time he's no longer sitting up and his eyes are no longer open. His body has fallen back to the bed and he has done some like convulsing. And then it is very clear that he is taking his last breaths. And I asked the nurse if she could go get my mother because my mother was in the building. She just wasn't in the room. And so another nurse came and started taking his pulse. And I began once again singing, Amazing Grace. And every time I would sing, his heartbeat would get stronger. And then when I would kind of stop singing and just be talking to him and touching his face, his heart rate would go really, really shallow again and maybe even like skip. I think there was like a moment when he didn't have a heartbeat for a minute. And then when I would start singing again, his heartbeat would get really strong again. So the nurse was like, keep singing, keep singing, keep singing. Well, I'm singing and then my mother walks in and I kind of move up, you know, closer to his head. And my mom comes right next to him and we start talking to him and just telling him like, it's okay, grandpa, you can let go. you're safe. You've done good. You've done good. And pretty much when my mom came in, he took his last breath. And we sat with him and talked to him. Something really beautiful the nurse said was just that, you know, hearing goes last, so keep talking to him. So we just kept talking to him and rubbing his hair and just letting him know how amazing he was and is. And and then my mother began to make phone calls and people began arriving. And um, there's something about this experience for me. One, 
you know, I don't live in the area and I haven't been in the area in a, a while. And there's something just like so profound in like deep, 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 deep bows that I got to be the one that was there. And like why I got to be the one that was there, I have no idea. It doesn't even really matter that much. Um, I just so happened to be the one that was there. And the other thing that the experience is like really, really reminding me is just how death is like everything else. We have this really big fear about it because when death occurs, we lose something, right? And we don't want to lose that thing. We were quite attached to the things that are in our lives and the things that are especially good in our lives. And when you're actually experiencing someone's death, you begin to just recognize that it's the same as everything else. It's like one moment you're breathing, the next moment you're not breathing. It's like it is actually that simple. One minute you have a heartbeat, the next minute you don't have a heartbeat. I was like kind of trying to talk to my partner about this and something that... Um, I said, it's just like, you know, it's like, oh, now you're in the car about to drive somewhere. I hope you're driving. And then you get out of the car and you're not driving anymore. It's like it, it felt and feels like that. And it's a really interesting experience when you can just be the witness to that experience, be the witness to almost the mundanity, um, of death and how I don't know I feel like in our in our heads death is this kind of very dramatic very final very big thing that occurs and I think I think that it is I'm definitely not saying that it's not um it is. It's like it is and, is it, and it isn't. It's this very interesting thing that I'm going to be continuously just processing, I think, until the day I come to my death. I think I have been processing this before I had the honor of being with my grandpa and then um, and I will continue to process it with being with him right here, you know, in his presence as he took his last breath. It's this very like interesting like almost like your brain wants to tell you like oh this is a big deal you need to freak out you know and then there's this other part of you that might be more wise that's like no 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 just be here when you freak out you are not here you you're like you know you're living in your thoughts you're letting your thoughts go wild but if you can just be here just be here for it be here in it and there's something just like I don't know, so simple, so simple about it. And, you know, it could also be that he is somebody that, you know, kind of lived his potential, lived to 88 years old. It was, he was sick. Um, you know, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of like factors that could have, that could make this death quote unquote easier when somebody dies young or when, 
um, some tragedy happens, it's, it's like, I think it's, it's harder to understand. It's harder to let go of. It's harder to be present with because it feels often shocking or like this happened too young or this, you know, wasn't, why did this happen? Whereas when someone is old, it can often feel like, okay, it was time. He was in pain, you know? And it's interesting how our brains like want it to be the right time, right? It's like when somebody dies young or something tragic happens, sometimes humans can spend their entire life trying to figure out why it happened. And, you know... I don't know. I feel like death is one of those things that like we may never understand why it happens. Why it, you know, like we may not understand why someone dies when they die exactly like the time, if the age, um, the tragedy. These are all just really important things, I think, to allow ourselves to sit with and ponder. Mostly, I think, because not only are people's lives quite sacred and the people that we get to witness their life, it's a very, like, it's like an honor, it's a gift to know people. But it's also important to begin just thinking about these things and being with these things because we're all headed there. And some of us will die old and die of old age and and others of us, you know, our lives will be taken sooner. Something will happen, um, we'll get sick. You know, in Buddhism, they talk about the things that we need to ponder are loss, suffering, sickness, death, because they're all the things that we will have to encounter in this life. We can't, there's no way around it. There will be a time when all of us get sick. There will be a time when all of us lose something. It could be something precious, a physical item that we really love. It could be an aspect of our personality. It could be um, a person. It could be, you know, we're all going to lose something. We're all going to suffer. We're going to suffer the small s sufferings, like stubbing our toes and it being really painful. And the biggest sufferings of getting our heart broken or losing someone we love to a tragedy, tragedy. we're all going to suffer. And then eventually, we will all die. And I feel like for me, you know, this is not for everybody, so to speak. But for me, contemplating death has been one of the more powerful things that I have spent my time doing. Mostly because it, in some way, when I actually begin thinking about my life and thinking about the, you know, the kind of timeline of my life and that the timeline will eventually end, 
it really cultivates a desire to experience whatever is happening now to really be here with whatever is going on right here right now and to live more here and really experience aliveness instead of thinking about aliveness you know instead of thinking about the things i'm going to do to really practice just being here with what's occurring and saying yes to what life you know has brought me in this moment which is what the last podcast was about and i feel like i really just got to massively say yes to these things that occurred over the last few days I was thinking that in life, you know, often I think we fight what shows up or we react to it. We reject it in some way because it's it's maybe like intense to try to be with it or it's scary or whatever it might be. And, you know, something that I have been kind of saying to myself is just... Can I want what is here? Can I want what is here? Can I really just want what is here and not fight it? But if it's here, try to want it. Try to be okay with it. Try to be with it as it is without trying to manipulate it or change it or make it mean something like I don't know like I've been thinking about what I experienced with my grandpa and there's a there's a tendency of the mind you know it's really interesting and really important to think about the mind there's a tendency of the mind to make things big to make things maybe bigger than they are and I think we do this because we want our experiences to be meaningful. We want our experiences to have some sort of meaning in our lives. We want them to shape our lives in some way. And I I, I don't actually think there's something, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I think it's just interesting to pay attention to because I can notice my mind being like, oh yeah, I was the one that was meant to be with him. You know, this just this very, very interesting thing. And the truth is, is that I just was the one that was with him. Um, and my mind wants to make it this big thing, maybe because it makes me feel important, maybe because it makes me feel special, maybe because it makes me feel like I'm on the right path. I'm not quite sure, but it's really interesting to just pay attention to that. This is the tendency of the mind when something happens, um, we can often want to, I don't know, the mind wants to make it bigger. That's uh, that's the really the only way I know how to say it right at this moment. The mind wants to make it a bigger thing than maybe it was. And in doing that, in making it bigger, there's there's something about how our identity gets bigger. Like it in it enhances or secures an identity of like, yeah, I am a spiritual person. And of course I was the one that was meant to be there when that happened. And, you know, it's like the mind does this thing. And what I'm trying to practice right now as I kind of process all of this is to keep letting that stuff go and just be with what's actually here right now. And sometimes that's been sadness and sometimes that's been great gratitude and sometimes that's been 
um, you know, confusion, something, whatever it is, but really just be with what's here instead of letting the mind just go huge and astray and like create all these big, um, big meanings about what occurred and really just notice and observe what did occur and continue to bring myself back to this moment and notice how how what occurred can help me make choices in this moment make choices that create less suffering make choices that are compassionate make choices that are loving and kind and like i really um I want to continue to learn to live more like my grandfather lived. And that includes letting go of the big idea that um, I'm special and that this was supposed to happen to me. And that it will in some way continue to propel me forward in this way. When really what will continue to propel me forward is what I do in this moment and how I'm present in this moment present with myself, present with others, present with the task at hand. And if I can continue to be really present and let what has happened in my past really influence just my quality of presence and my quality of giving, like I was thinking, one of my goals for this year was just to continue practice being a giving person and continue to practice being a good listener. And I feel like there's something about just the reflecting upon my grandpa's life that helps me, will help me, and continues to help me be here now and really show up to this party of life right now how I want to and how I foresee it being the most... I don't know. I don't know if life-giving or present, I'm not sure exactly the word, but just showing up to this moment and saying yes to this moment. Um, I think that this is going to continue to be a podcast just because I think so many of us want to make meaning out of everything. And I want to keep exploring what that means and um, why we do it. And cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong at all. I think it's very natural. I think it's what the brain does. I think it's the natural tendency of the mind. And I'm curious about watching that tendency more than believing that tendency. Um, and I'm super just, I don't know. I feel just very in a place, very, um, present to the place in me that wants to keep exploring that. So, you know, whatever this podcast brought up, Thank you first just for listening to the beautiful story of my grandpa's life and then um, kind of the, the closing of his life. Very, very grateful for the listening. And also, I hope that it offered a moment of reflection for you and your own life too. Okay, have a beautiful weekend and I'll see you next time.